Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatics Show, where we discuss the Packers, Box, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. Welcome back. Tyler and Mike here so far. Jake will be joining us shortly. He's just running a little late. Uh, Mike and I are going to start talking about Badgers basketball, who I'm going to say this because we put out the Greg Gard apology form uh, yesterday morning. I don't know maybe if we jinxed the Badgers or enough people didn't fill them out that they jinxed the Badgers or that people think that the only reason that a coach is good is for winning in March. It's it's unfortunate you're never going to please everybody. And, you know, you get people like, oh, the Badgers can't even beat Penn State. Why would anybody fill this out? It's never going to be able to please anybody, even though the Badgers are ranked number 11, despite starting the season unranked. And a loss to Penn State, you know, Jake made a good point yesterday uh, that it just really goes to show that playing on the road is tough in the Big Ten. So we aren't going to start with the Penn State game. That's going to be the third game. So unfortunately, we got to do the, the good news first and the bad news second. We usually like to do it the other way around. That said... You can jump into Ohio State. Now, Mike, what are the two things that stood out to you from the Ohio State game? Yeah, these these uh, these first two games, I like to call like we, it was like one of those Wisconsin games where it was gritty but not pretty, but we still got got the dubs, right? So uh, my first takeaway, um, you know, going into it, we found out that, you know, Stephen Crowell was questionable going into the game. Um, he still got it out 20, 20 plus minutes, which kudos to him. But that that brought up an opportunity for Nolan Winter. So that was the first call that I wanted. My man. Um, so he ended up playing 11 minutes, which is still a little more than what he has played, uh, you know, throughout the year. So uh, he had se- seven points, seven clutch points and, and two rebounds. So, um, you know, obviously he's still a, he's a big part of our team. And I think this he was just worth um, calling out, especially in a game like this, where as against Stephen Crawl, you know that you could also tell when you were watching him during this game specifically, it was definitely limited uh, with you know what he could do. I know a couple times, you know, he was getting out rebounded, but I think that had a lot to do with you know with his health that night. So it was good. Nolan Winter came in, um, you know, d- you know, did his job, got seven points. It was the most um, off the bench. Um, for any of the other guys that went in the game. So it was just good, good to see him, you know, making a very uh, key contribution in, in a Big Ten game on the road, which you just said, uh, winning on the road is very difficult. So, uh, no, it was I just want to call that out. So then second takeaway, and I think he ended up stealing the show at, at towards the end of the game for sure. It was uh, Mr. Max Klesman. Um, I kind of compared his game ultimately in terms of like what he looked like against Marquette in the first half. But this game, uh, basically, it was, you know, all in the second half. So he scored 18 points, three re- had three rebounds, two assists, all 18 points in the second half, which is just, you know, crazy. Um, 
so yeah, we were down 52 to 56 with six, four, 14 left. The batters then go on to score, um, you know, 10 unanswered points, eight of which were from Klesman. And I guess to even get even more deep, deep into it with five, I'm going to get more specific here with five, 16 left. Klesman actually then started his 10 consecutive points. Six of those points were on three pointers and the rest around free throws. Now, during this game, we did not get to the free throw line until that point, or at least until later in the second half. Klesman, Max Klesman was the first one, I believe, for in this game from for the Badgers to get to the free throw line. So hmm. getting to the bucket definitely wasn't our strong shoot, suit in this game, but um, he definitely ignited the spark with that because we did end up only shooting 11 free throws all game. Klesman was six of 11. Oh, what's going on, Jake? Klesman went went six for six from the line. And yeah, this was all in the second half too, as well. So, um, you know, he, he provided the big spark for us. He was a big reason why we ended up winning this game. Um, you know, we ended up on a four on a 19, four run. Oh, settle down, settle down. And I guess actually the biggest part of this I wanted to bring up was defensively too, not just offense. So, Jamison Bell, he was a guy that I brought up last week to you guys in this game. And he definitely, and I know I chatted with you guys in the first half saying how many bullshit shots he was making. Well, the positive note on that, uh, Max Klesman held Jamison Battle scoreless over the final 12 minutes. So if there's any sort of, you know, comparison with that, Max Klesman goes off all 18 in the second half, holds his guy also scoreless with 12 minutes to go. I'll take that at the end of the day. So um, kudos to Max Klesman. Um, like I said, I'm comparing this game to what he did at Marquette in that first half. So, uh, but it's also good to do in the second half and, you know, closing yeah. the game out. It's, it's interesting. You think about it, if he's able to put those two halves together at some point that he could drop 39 points, that's wild. Just wild yeah. to think about if he could do that. Mm-hmm. He would have so, to be like insane for an entire game, which would be that crazy. would be insane. Yeah, it would be <laughs> literally Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I'm gonna just touch on a couple of things that you kind of already started to uh, kind of tiptoe around. First one being the defense and the rebounding, and for me, it really comes down to the last about ten minutes of the game. So the last nine minutes and fifty-five seconds. This is after Ohio State had taken a fifty to forty-eight lead. The Badgers held. Uh, Ohio State to nine one-and-done possessions. Ohio State scored four times. They only had two offensive rebounds and only two second-chance points in the final 10 minutes of the game. So essentially the last quarter of the game. Also, my second takeaway is the runs. So this also goes for that final 9.55. The Badgers outscored Ohio State 23-10. to Damn over those last nine minutes and 55 seconds. Mike almost spoiled my takeaway here. The final six minutes and 15 seconds, Wisconsin outscored Ohio State 19-4, to including the final seven points of the game. And then when Ohio State went up four, Wisconsin also went on a 10-0 run. Just really, you know, it's – it's almost cliche how often it's said that basketball is a game of runs, but this really, really showed it. And with mm-hmm. Wisconsin being the better team in the runs at the end of the game, especially over, like I said, that last quarter of the game, that yeah. really, really stood out to me as you know being able to overcome 
you know, whatever it is, like something like having a four-point lead taken on you on the road. It's it's different in college basketball. And I brought this up a couple weeks ago that I believe that momentum is a bigger deal in college basketball than any other sport. And it's, it's especially on the road. You know, the other team builds a four-point lead. It feels like a 14-point lead because the crowd is into it. Mm-hmm. You know, college basketball leads can feel much bigger than they are uh, just because of how much, you know, a crowd can get into it at any given moment. And and I think with the Badgers getting down four and then rattling off 10 straight points, I just think they really deserve a lot of credit for that. So that was my second big takeaway. So, Jake, welcome. What were the two well, things I- to you from the Ohio State game? Ah, man, what a day, first of all. Holy cow. <laughs> Got to say that. I feel like I've been running with a, like a chicken with his head cut off all day. It's been insane. But we're going to settle in. I'm in the comfort zone now. We're on Wisco. We're talking Badgers basketball as I loosen up the neck here. And I'm going to talk – the first thing I'm going to talk about is defending without fouling. This is a really, really important thing for a team like the Badgers that hang their head on defense, right? To be able to get into the face and get into the chest, especially on the road, right? Um, that that was why I wanted to, to take this topic is because you're on the road and usually, you know, there's the cliche that you're not really going to get the whistle or, you know, the home team's going to – it's going to favor the home team, right? So for us to, you know, defend without fouling, I thought was really, really good. Um, especially, you know, Mike already brought up battle, but he was he was cooking in the first half. <laughs> yeah. So – for us to to get underneath him and, and really start defending him with a little bit more physicality, which is what Max brings to the table. You know, he obviously closed his game out because he got insanely hot and he was hitting NBA three-pointers. But in my opinion, the biggest thing that he brings is that physicality mindset, and that really sets a tone for everybody else, right? So we defended without fouling. They shot 10 free throws. I know we only shot 11, but they only made four of their 10. So that is – that is Gross. horrid. That's terrible. You're not going to win a lot of games. It doesn't even have to be the Big Ten Conference. It could be the MAC. It could be the Mountain West, which Tyler and I were talking yesterday, and he brought it to my attention that the, the Mountain West is actually very good this year. So no disrespect. Colorado to State. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter what conference you're in. If you go four for ten for the free throw line, you're not going to win a lot of ball games, right? And the Badgers on the flip side, their free throw shooting this is my second takeaway as – Mike brought it up a couple weeks ago. It's really been a big strength for this Badgers team. They went 10 of 11 from the free throw line uh, in this game. And obviously winning by 11 and being plus six from the free throw line and being able to defend them without putting them on the line. And then when we got there, we made them and we cashed in. I think that was something that kind of separated us from them. I like it. All right, let's switch gears to a home game. This was Saturday. Jake and I were watching this while we were at the Cardboard Legacy event at the uh, at the Herd Arena, which was really cool. That we posted it on the page, seeing seeing our logo next to the Timber Rattlers and the Wisconsin Herd logos was uh, was kind of a cool. is a pretty cool experience for us. That was um, the cherry on top, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. It's something. Like we said in the post, it's not something we we thought would have been you know part of our future when we started doing this show. Um, and you know, maybe someday we'll be next to the Brewers and the Bucks logos or something. I don't know. Now you're talking, <laughs> <laughs> but y'all will get there. Happy where we are, but always working for the future. So that said, yes. from Saturday's game, Mike, what were two things that stood out to you? Uh, I'll go with uh, Mr. Max Klesman again as number one. I mean, he basically picked off, picked up where he left off in this game, a very sluggish game, a very physical game. Yep. Um, 
you know, the Northwestern coach even even said afterwards, like, yeah, our number one in 10 is to get as physical as possible with Wisconsin. That's, you know, that's what you got to do in order to, you know, compete with these guys. So, um, you know, Max Klesman still had, still had a hell of a day. 24 points, two assists, one rebound, five of seven from three-point range. I mean, if if any if any of our viewers here watch that game closely, you could tell sometimes when our some of our possess, possessions seem very stagnant. And it, in, at least in my view, Max Klez, Max was the guy that did end up bailing us out a few times on oh, some cool. of those broken possessions. So, um, you know, kudos to him. He's playing he's playing really good ball lately. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely worth call, calling that out. And yeah, just a very very you know physical game, not clean at all, but, um, you know, this is a big, a big 10 too, at the end of the day. So, um, and then transitioning in my second call out, um, closing games, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is one of those games where last season, I, I think we were going to lose, um, you know, one of my, I think one of my biggest, you know, for this Badgers primer this year, I've talked about how many close games we had last year and what our record was. Uh, and mm-hmm. it wasn't great, right? It was basically the difference of making the NCAA tournament and not making it. Well, this year we're starting to get better with, with closing games. So, um, you know, 60, it's tied at 63 to 63 with 250 left. Northwestern's not going away. And what do we do? We close the game out on an 8-0 run. So in um, a very, very interesting stat, kudos to Evan Flood for pointing this out. So in the Big Ten season, we are 19 of 22 from the free throw line with three minutes or less remaining in the game. That's very, that's given where we were last year with our free throw shooting, we've been bringing it up a handful of times. I mean, Jake just mentioned it before. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty, that's a very, we've come a long way. Right. So, and that's a big part of, you know, closing these games against, you know, Northwestern and even, and Ohio state, both these games were sluggish, but at the end of the day, we, if we, you know, if we can make free throws, you know, take care of the controllables. I know we had, we did have a good chunk of turnovers this game, but at least mm-hmm. we made, I mean, we at least made, you know, free throws. We were 20 to 26, which we've been better, but we've definitely been a lot worse. So, um, you want to just know, toss, toss, uh, controlling the rebounds in there. That explains all the fundamental failures. That's yeah. all three <laughs> of them right there. So yeah, just, that's just main components of, you know, winning these close big 10 games. So even if you're not looking the greatest, if you can control the controllables, you're going to be right there at the end of the day. And this has been a big, you know, part of why we're doing well so far this season. Yeah. Wisconsin allowed 15 points off turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, I'm going to be talking about that later on too. That's high (laughs) for sure. Um, for me, Tyler Wall is the first one that stood out to me. Tyler Wall scored 11 points on only four shot attempts. And how he was able to do that was by scoring seven points at the free throw line. He was seven for 11. And what I think Tyler Wall deserves credit for, firstly, is for recognizing that at the beginning of the game, he, it did cost him a turnover to recognize it. But recognizing that Northwestern was going to very aggressively defend the baseline. They weren't going to let Tyler Wall get baseline and get his little, you know, wrap around dump off passes to Stephen Crowell. And he was able to recognize that and then use that aggression against Northwestern to get himself to the free throw line. So Tyler Wall absolutely deserves some credit for that on its own. And then I just want to go to Tyler Wall's defense. And I came with a visual aid of Tyler Wall's defense. And it's his defense on Boo Booey tweeted this out that he put the absolute clamps on Boo Booey on this play. 
This is textbook. Can't ask for anything better for him to get in front of Boo Booey twice. And on the second time that Boo Booey tries to drive past him on the baseline, he's able to poke the ball away, which then forces a shot clock violation. So this is fantastic defense by Tyler Wall. This is what this is a clip that you should show to every kid that you're teaching how to play defense. Correct. I guarantee I you, Greg Gard saved this clip. Sorry. I always tell my kids, you play defense with your feet, not your hands. If you move your damn feet and stay in front of people, you have a chance to stop them. Yeah, this is just fantastic. So I had to give Tyler Wall credit for this. All right. You know, the second thing that stood out. Yeah. Second thing for me that stood out was was leads. Now, people people like to complain, first and foremost. That's just something that we know is a fact. But I want to point out, Northwestern is a good team. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin got a couple leads. They were, they were up as, by as many as 12 at one point. But Northwestern wasn't just going to give up and go away. True. They've beat some really good teams, and to their credit, they adjusted to Chucky Hepburn's defense and started using Boo Booey off the ball. Mm-hmm. That's that's a credit to Northwestern. That's just a smart adjustment that we we really got to start to recognize that the teams that we cheer for don't just get to impose their will on games, and the other team has nothing to say about it. True. The other teams are going to adjust just as much as our teams do, and they're going to adjust the things that our teams do. So we have to, we really have to, at least acknowledge them. Uh, when they do things that are, you know, smart, intelligent adjustments. So I, I give, um, I, I forget what his first name is. I think it's Chris, but Collins, the Northwestern's coach, a credit for adjusting Chucky Hepburn's defense on Boo Booey and moving him to an off-the-ball scorer. So yeah. that said, Wisconsin built their leads using defense and taking care of the ball. That is Wisconsin basketball. Uh, with Wisconsin, they scored 70 points in 10 straight games. And seeing people complaining about it and being like, oh, well, it should be evidence that Greg Gard is a bad coach because he's been here for, you know, since 2015. It's like Wisconsin has never been a high-scoring team. Also, that's 10 straight games. Like, yeah. if they go nine straight games and then score 69 points, like, that streak would be over. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they've only scored 70 points 10 times in a season. It's 10 times straight. Yeah, we, we usually play a slower pace, so we don't right. try to score 70. We try to score – we like back in the day in the Bo Ryan days, we were trying to score 55 to 60, and we were going to try to hold you to 50. <laughs> right. That was the goal. <laughs> so this is this is one of the things. Is Wisconsin started 5-0 and in the Big Ten. That's their best start in the Big Ten since 2007-2008 season. Greg Gard was not the head coach then. True. Um. James brought up, I literally had to explain to some of my fellow Preds fans when they say it's our players' jobs to win. If I don't do my job, I get fired. Oh, God, I hate it when people compare like their day-to-day jobs to professional athletes. Just don't do it. It's not a correlation. It's not the same thing. It's not at all the same thing. Uh, no, James it's said, it's, I'm like, the other team has to do the same job. Also, you're a, nur- you're a nurse. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, somebody who's sick and dying isn't going to change their condition to try to throw you off. That's true. Yeah, I also you know, don't get an off season, so that would yeah, be cool you're you're treating off. somebody for a cut on the yeah. hand. They're not just gonna like grab a knife and stab themselves in the leg just to throw you off your game. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something, dude? <laughs> How about that for a curveball? How would that make you have to adjust on the fly? <laughs> I like it's it. A, 
yeah, it's just don't compare your everyday job to professional athletes. No, I mean, we don't, most of us don't like our everyday job, but we all like sports, right? It's true. We like sports. That's, we don't that's care. That's the who first knows. difference. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jake, what two things stood out to you? A couple things. First of all, mental toughness, man. Um, to win in this league, and I'm foreshadowing a little bit with this, but it's hard. Okay. Doesn't matter who you're playing, doesn't matter the record of that team. They all have good players, right? It's pretty much an even playing field with all these teams. And there's there's a few teams who get some five stars every once in a while, you know, like back when we were kids when there was Greg Odins and we had Alondo Tucker, like oh there's yeah, yeah, right. There's 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 special players every once in a while, but for the most part, this conference is what it is because it's so even across the board, right? Like any team could beat any team, right? Like we saw that case in point. Who did we beat? I forget. Uh, who just Nebraska? beat Purdue? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. We handled Nebraska. Nebraska goes to Purdue, and they handled Purdue. So if that doesn't tell you, Purdue. yeah, Northwestern like, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if if that doesn't tell you that this is even, then I I don't know what you're looking at anymore. So I just I really want to congratulate the Badgers on their mental toughness when. Northwestern was was coming at them and it was a tie game and we were losing and we could have pouted and we could have, you know, ran with our tails between our legs. But they, these guys decided to come together and put together some stops and put together some good offensive possessions. And I just think that mental toughness is something that needs to be pointed out with this team because it's it's this team's got backbone. I'll tell you that it's one of the reasons that I'm starting to believe it's one of the reasons that uh, the AP poll voters are starting to believe as they move them up to number 11. I mean, this team's got something special. I don't know. I don't. I can't quite put my finger on it yet, but it's. I'm gonna find it eventually. Now I'm gonna Can I throw out a, a preliminary thing that? for it. I'm What's gonna that? say depth. I can see that. I I could definitely see that. It seems like somebody different kind of stepping up every game. You know, you get your match. <laughs> <Kobe Clark>. Greenguard. <laughs> yeah, you get your AJ Store moments. You get your Crow moments. You get your your Blackwell moments. Like Connor Seasons had some moments here and there pop up these last couple of weeks. So I mean. Depth could definitely be the thing that they have along with that mental toughness. Now, I'm going to talk about three-point shooting, and, you know, Connor made the only one off the bench, and Klesman kind of carried, making five of the seven three-pointers. But seven of 14 from downtown really puts you in a really, really, really good position, especially when the team you're facing makes less threes and shoots three to, uh, 30% more than you. So they shot 21 three-pointers. They made six. That's 28%. That's not a good way to live. Gross. When you when you shoot 14 and you make seven, that's a great way to live, man. Oh, Obviously, yeah. the Badgers come away with a W. They go 5-0 and in the Big Ten. So, this Wisconsin Badgers team is pretty good, man. And, by the way, Penn State's not a bad team either. They're a team that could be on the bubble at the end of the season, just saying. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to the Penn State game really quickly. I just want to point out a couple things. One being Max Klesman and AJ Store making some absolutely tough, tough jumpers at the end of this game. Yeah. And then the other one, uh, Jake and I talked about this a little bit uh, while we were while we were there on Saturday at the Cardboard Legacy event at the Hurt Arena. Is is AJ Store? And there's a learning opportunity for AJ Store in the one transition opportunity that the Badgers had later in the yeah. game, uh, yeah. where he. Uh, he he took the ball basically from behind half court all the way to the basket and then tried to uh, dump off a pass. I think he got fouled on the play, I think. Um, yeah. But 
what what you and I talked about is he had a point guard next to him. They had a two-on-one, essentially. So what we were looking for from A.J. Storr as the athlete in that situation, give the ball up to the point guard, let him read the defense, and if the defender is going to wait for the alley-oop to be thrown, all your point guard has to do is take a layup. And I trust Chucky. I, I trust Kamari McGee to make that decision. I yeah. trust John Blackwell to make that decision to take the layup if the defender is going to play for the alley-oop. If yep. he doesn't, that's how you get off the backboard alley-oops like Chucky did to A.J. Store a couple weeks ago. True. That was fun. They should do that again. Absolutely. So that's just a learning thing for A.J. Store. If you have a two-on-one in transition, give the ball up right away and then let the guy who's running the break with you decide if he's going to throw you the alley-oop or not based on who the defender goes to attack. Yeah, you got to make the defender make a decision, right? Because he's going to get yep. he's going to be a pickle in the middle eventually. So right. you, throw, you throw the ball up, you let the point guard decide, okay, I got the shot, I got the pass. That defender is, you know, if, if you use that guy correctly, he's shit out of luck to be clear. Right, about. exactly. And it's it's a better situation to have the ball in the hands of the guard yep. throwing to the athlete than yep. to have the ball in the hands of the athlete trying to, you know, find a pass to the guard. Agreed. Because that's easier for the defender than to try to recover and to, say, try to block a shot or at least contest a shot by a guard. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to last night's game, the Badgers did unfortunately lose this game to Penn State. But, Mike, what stood out to you from last night's game? Uh, I, I'm going to be a, li- a little negative on this first part, unfortunately. And it was oh, the turnovers. Fired. Nope. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. You guys got you. Oh, I thought my computer was. I honestly thought I like I had a Got situation him. on my end. You should have. Oh, you should have had it going for like thirty, like thirty seconds. I don't know. I would have. Like, I would have not freaked out, but I would have been on like using my actual phone or something. I don't know. Um, but no, the first thing and the re- and I wanted to bring this up is because this has happened back to back games. Um, the Badgers had thirteen tur- turnovers again in this game. It led to sixteen points. That can't. That cannot yeah. happen. I mean, it, again, it, it, this is my number one concern. I mean, go, going forward as well. Uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or whatever that saying goes. Um, the way but yeah, but we got. But we got to clean. But something we got to clean up. I mean, with these thirteen turnovers, all the start, all every single one of the starters, I believe, had. Yeah, all the starters had at least two. Tyler Wall had five. I honestly think that number should have been higher last night because some of those got bailed out by it with like loose balls and stuff like that. Um, it, it was just unfortunate because Tyler Wall, he plays so hard all the time. I always say this, but he was going back to that player that I used to know where he was kind of running around with his head cut off a little bit. And it, I don't know if it was just the athleticism maybe of the other team that, that got to him in some of those situations. I think it could be because he was, whether it was down low or when he was trying to bring the ball up, he got himself into a lot of trouble doing that a couple of times. And I'm, I'm personally still always hesitant when he is bringing the ball up. Um, I wish he would get into somebody else's hand, but that's, you know, conversation for another time, but no, this, I think this cost us dearly because not only that it led also led us to a slow start to start the game. I think we ended up being down 14 to two. I believe it was within the first five, six minutes of the game. Um, yep. So no, that that's something that has to be you know cleaned up and addressed. I think with being in the Wisconsin program, I'm sure hoping a coach. Oh, actually, I know Coach Guard is going to address this and take this very seriously because the fact that this has happened back to back games now, both at home and on the road, it's yep. it's a problem. It is yep. a problem, and it's something that you know 
needs to get cleared up, but it's also something that needs to be, you know, addressed. So, um, but leading into my positive. So, I mean, there were still a couple things, but I want to give this guy a shout out because he's hardly played, you know, for the most part this year. I got Marcus Ilver. Now, why do I bring him up? He only played five minutes, right? But we had, we did have to put him in because of the foul trouble with Max Klesman. Max Klesman, uh, for anybody who wasn't watching the game, picked up two fouls probably with, I don't know, three, four minutes into the game, not even something like that. So we did have to adjust our lineup at times. So Marcus Ilver comes in for the last five minutes of that first half. Very, very productive. He got a big three-pointer for us. Five rebounds. That's pretty pretty goddamn good for, for a guy that you know only plays for five minutes. And one assist and one block. A very crucial block, actually. And he was plus three minutes when he was on the on the floor. So uh, all positive there. And Coach Guard has said this for a while. He's wanted to play, you know, guys like a Siege and a Marcus. He always brings up Marcus over up, and he's always wanted to get him minutes when he could. And you know, thankfully on hit for him, you know, given that Max Klesman was in foul trouble, obviously they had to adjust. He was able to play a little bit, and you no, know, he definitely stood out. And you can say he gave us some energy. You could also say that. Uh, um, you know, he was kind of trying, he was putting out a fire, so to speak, because we were, there was not, there was, I was not comfortable watching this game per- personally, because every time we scored, Penn State would fire right back. And, you know, thankfully with hit, led up, which led up to his three later on in the half, it put me at ease a little bit because I know we'd still be in the game, whether it was a four or five point, six point lead at half, that's something we can come back from. So, um, and it's his most minutes since the Western Illinois game, believe it or not. So, you know, kudos to him for coming in there, you know, contributing a lot for the five minutes that he played in. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, never know. Maybe we'll see him a little bit more this year, depending on what kind of matchups we see in the Big Ten. I can't hear you. Yeah, me either. Sorry. On your first – on your, your two takeaways, on the first one being the turnovers – it's it's tough giving credit to your opponents when they do things well, but Penn State their their full court pressure is legit. It's run well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they do a really good job of forcing teams to the the sidelines and then pressuring them and trapping them to force them to have to rotate the ball back around. That's why Tyler Wall ended up having to bring the ball up so often because Penn State was doing a good job of trapping guards. Mm-hmm. Later on in the game, it ended up being John Blackwell more often than anybody else. But credit to Penn State, their press works well. On your second one, Marcus Silver, as far as his playing time goes, and I don't expect him to really like to beef up a lot just because he's known to be a shooter. So I don't expect him, you know, to suddenly be this like powerhouse muscular dude. But if he can just even just a little bit beef up and then be able to defend a little stronger, I think he could potentially steal some minutes from Carter Gilmore. Yeah. So that he's would not be afraid to goal. shoot it. He, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. If he gets a look, he's going to shoot right. it. Like he right. has, he if he gets any sort of a look, he doesn't care what the situation is. He's going to shoot it. I, I've watched, I've seen him play enough to know that. And uh, yeah, he quickly pulled the trigger even last night too in this game. Yeah. So as far I as like an offensive perspective, quicker. yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean that would just be. I'm not saying that this is like something I have as a goal for the Badgers, but if I'm Marcus Silver, that would maybe be something that I would you know be looking at and being like, Hey, you know, maybe if I, you know, Carter Gilmore is going in for mainly defensive and rebounding, you know, reasons. If Marcus Silver can do those things, that might be a key to him for getting some more playing time. 
So for me, I'm going to go to Stephen Crowell. This, oh man, I was so polarized on Stephen Crowell this game because he did so many things well. But then I also still have at least two bones to pick with Stephen Crowell. And the thing is, he had a great game. He had 17 points. He had 11 rebounds. He threw a few assists in as well. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to put up great statistics like he did in this game. But Stephen Crowell needs, capital Cats Lock needs to make quicker decisions. Yeah. The ball cannot go into yeah. Stephen Crowell and then stay in his hands before he decides if he's going to pass, dribble, or go for a shot for three, four, five, six seconds. It, it, just, it needs to move quicker because the Badgers, they run their swing offense, and it's a lot of dribble handoff, you know, quick passes three, four feet away from the three-point line. So when you finally get a, a point where somebody is chasing as a defender, chasing one of the offensive players, the Badgers need to be able to take advantage of that without giving defenders time to recover to their matchups. It happened too many times last night that the post entry was made and the ball was held on to allowing defenders to recover to their assignments. Yeah. yeah. The ball needs to move quicker. The decisions need to be quicker. And I'm, I'm fine with, you know, I'm not saying we need to take the ball away from Stephen Crowell because he is so capable. He's a good passer. He's a great passer for a big man. He's a threat anywhere, you know, outside of a step outside the three-point line. He's a threat. Anywhere from a step outside the three-point line all the way to the basket. He just needs to still present himself as that threat. And the decisions, they just have to be quicker. Can't hold on to the ball and let defenses recover and then try to diagnose them. That's where he got caught, too. I think it was like twice he did that last night where he ended up, you know, like you said, letting the defense recover and ended up turning, turning the ball over. Oh, that's oh that, that grinds my gears letting the defense recover when you when you finally you know you get all the enough passes moving around and it's like okay somebody's gonna be open yep. and then the ball's not moving yeah. can't happen <clears throat> that said my second one it, it kind of comes to <clears throat> efficiency which ball movement helps is if you can get open shots you know that's that's necessary when it comes to efficiency, a guy that we need his efficiency back is Chucky Hepburn. <clears throat> and in a game like this especially, this game, it was a close game. The Badgers were able to grab a lead very briefly uh, to cap an 8-0 run thanks to nobody but Max Klesman. Who else could it be? But the Badgers were able to string together some stops until they weren't. And, you know, the Badgers got enough stops to go and take a lead, and then they couldn't get any more stops after that. That's where they need Chucky Hepburn's efficiency to be able to kind of keep them in the game at that point. So Chucky Hepburn, 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 2 from the three-point line, and zero free throws. Um, He did have five assists, but he is four of his last 15 field goals and one of nine on threes in his last three games. We we need efficient Chucky Hepburn back. And I'm not saying we need him to score 20, but 10. 10 points. Yeah. 10 points makes a big deal in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, if, if Chucky Hepburn can average 10 points, you know, four assists and three rebounds, that's perfect. You know, and like I said, we don't need Chucky Hepburn scoring 20 points, but we just need we just need a little bit more efficiency from Chucky Hepburn. And I believe he's capable of it. So I'm not I'm not trying to be negative and saying, you know, like, oh, Chucky Hepburn sucks, bench him for Blackwell or anything like that. Chucky Hepburn absolutely has the keys to the car, keys to the offense, keys to the defense. I believe he's capable of doing these things. It's just something that stood out to me as, as important from this game. So, Jake, what did you see that stood out to you from the Penn State game? Nice segue because my first takeaway is John Blackwell, his backup. And John Blackwell just has a knack for playing really, really good on the road, dude. <laughs> I don't know. what this, this freshman's got it, man. He's he's He is him, in my opinion. In a couple of years, he's going to be a real stud, uh, like Big Ten Player of the Year potential, in my opinion. Him, Nolan Winter, they could be a dynamic duo. Man. They could be something to mess with. But in this game, he had 14 points, 7 to 8 from the free throw line. So I thought he did a good job being aggressive, which he always does. Um, but he, he always looks for a shot, man. And I, that's that's something that I appreciate from him. You don't get that with a lot of 18-year-old kids that just come in here, especially at Wisconsin, right? Uh, this kid just comes in and just starts taking shots and defending people and making the right decisions and just appreciate it. The next guy is a guy that is just so athletic, dude. AJ Store. This guy is just – he's so good. And I wish we could I, – I don't know if he has any post game, but I would really like to get him some ISOs in, like, the mid post. Instead of, instead of having him dribble out from, from, you know, 25 feet all the time, let's get him a mid, let's get him a mid post, let him dribble in for 14 feet. That might, make, that might make all the difference. Use his quickness, take one step, get a quick layup. Or he forces the issue and he gets fouled right away. Like those are little things that we could do to, you know, little tweaks to the offense. And again, I love I like the offense. They run it well. This team obviously understands it. But you know, every once in a while, throw in an ISO to AJ Store. Let him go to work from the mid post and see what he could do because he's a good mid range shooter as well. So that's maybe something where he can take the next step if he doesn't have that post game. But he's got the athleticism and the explosiveness to finish inside as well. So. If he could, if he could find a little mid post game, I think that would make him completely a different player and very dangerous. Yeah, it seemed like like every time he was catch, he basically hit his thing is once as soon as he gets to the top of the key, he likes to take the two dribbles, do that spin move, yep. and you know whether it's trying to you know get a foul or he gets a layup out of it. He did that. Oh man, he probably did that a damn near. I don't want to say a couple handful of times, but at least five or six for sure. Yeah, um, yeah I mean they were giving it. Well, I mean he. He's better than any one of the defenders on Penn State's team, if we're going to be honest, to get to get in terms of getting to the bucket, I think. So yeah. he definitely got his, but I hear what you're saying. I would like to see him in the post or even at catching it at a different spot, see what he could right. do there. And I'm glad you brought up the John Blackwell point too, because, you know, you know, getting those shots, every time he catches that ball in the corner and shoots that three, I think it's going in at this point. Like so he, he's, Yeah. <laughs> I think that's his best. I, I think that's his best shot in his game right now, as far as I as far as I'm concerned. He brought up the aggressiveness, getting to the bucket. I'm glad you brought that up too. But every time I specifically am calling out his corner three because I think he's going literally going to make it every single time. Think, like think he, how unguardable that makes him. He can him hit ball. that exactly. You can play off ball. You could stuff him in the corner, right? And you know that he's a good shooter, so you still have to guard him. But then if you want him to be the pre- premier playmaker on your team, you can hand him the ball and be like, okay. Now it's your time to shine. Make a decision. Go shoot it. Go pass it. Set up your teammate. Like that makes him a very valuable piece to this team. Yep. 
you bring up an interesting point when you talk about AJ Store trying to use him in the post more. Interested to know your guys' thoughts on maybe using AJ Store as like a small ball power forward. I'm telling you, he would kill. And think how much energy you save from having him have to take all those dribbles from 25 feet out. If, like I said, if he could just, you know, face up, take one dribble because you know he's going to be quicker than most players. Plus, he could jump with anybody in the country. If he can take one hard dribble and get around you and get a layup, that saves a lot of energy for the other end of the court, which we need him on as well. I'm just trying to think Maybe. of like who you would put one through three if you're going to put store and say Tyler Wall or Stephen Crowell on the floor. Like if you want to go super small and go like Chucky, Kamari, and Connor, or if you wanted to go right. like Chucky, Kamari, and Max, or if you wanted to go a little bit more size, you could do Chucky, Max, and John Blackwell. It's interesting, and it's a good problem for Greg Gard to have to try to think about these things. I think your third one is the one I would choose. Yeah. Chucky Blackwell, Max, Max. Blackwell, Store, and Crowell or Wall. If, if, you, if, you, if Crowell is shooting, he would be a matchup nightmare with Store at the four. But the aggressiveness and the basketball IQ of Wall also being able to switch everything at that point makes that True. a really, really intriguing lineup. And against anybody but Purdue, I'd give it a go. Yeah, because they yeah, just have exactly. the one guy who's Not Purdue. <laughs> God, right. one more year. One well, more year with that, dude. Yeah, he's, luckily he's the Badgers don't Get have to play Purdue this week. Uh, they do play Friday against Indiana. I think if the Badgers win that game, I don't think their spot in the rankings is going to be hurt too badly by the loss to Penn State. Um, Indiana's a good team coming into the season. So they play Friday against Indiana, and then they play Tuesday at Minnesota. Uh, Mike, what are your two goals for those two games? Man, this first one, you know, we've had Indiana's number for quite some time, up until last year when they beat us at when they beat us at their place. Um, it was one hell of a streak that that we were on against them, and we're still got a good one going at the Cole Center. But this first one, we got we got to get out to a fast start, man. And this will tie mm-hmm. into my second one. But God damn, this is turning in these last couple of games, even if since Ohio State, even. I mean, we, we can't get up. We haven't gotten off to a quick start at all to save, save our life. So I'm looking forward to that. I think I don't know. It's it's going to be close. I don't know if the students are back yet on Friday. I, I want to say they might be. But, man, Friday night, 7, 8 o'clock, whenever that game, I think it's 7 o'clock. I'm hoping so. the students are back because the Cole Center should so. be rocking for Friday night. Like, this place should be bumping. So I'm looking to get out to a fast start in front of a great crowd. Get get them into it immediately, right away. We need that. Oh, yeah. We need this. We need that from this team. If we can do that, we're gonna win. I think. I know Indiana. They're coming off a tough loss last night to Purdue. They're gonna want this bad too because they have not won the Cole Center for a very, very long time. So this is definitely in the back of their minds. It always has been for years until they piss it away against us. So I know. I always. I tell you guys, Nebraska football and Indiana basketball are one and the same. They think they're a blue blood blood program and they're really like we're not living in the 90s or the 80s okay like we're not just get get out of there or the early 2000s i guess but no more trace jackson davis either exactly yeah that that's very nice as well <laughs> and then go my second goal i talked about it in these last two games we got to play clean man we can't average mm-hmm. just 13 turnover you know bull crap you know yep. against you know penn state northwestern when it gives them a free 15 16 points Right. That cannot fly anymore. That's not who Wisconsin ba- what Wisconsin basketball is. 
our average turnovers per game, I think was eight going into last night, even after that blunder against Northwestern. So, uh, you know, we got to clean that shit up bottom line. If we, if we can get that back down to where the standard is, we're going to, we're going to win this game. Play we talked about and, and Minnesota as well. Sorry, but go, go ahead. We talked about the Badgers being a slow paced team or a slow it down pace team. If you let your opponent score fast, that just contradicts what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's Penn State did that a lot last night. As soon yeah. as we scored, like we could not again, I felt I felt so uncomfortable that whole game because as soon as we got something, they would come down and they could get any shot that they wanted. Kudos to that to Clary, their point guard, because he absolutely dominated that game, and, I think. And Ace um, Baldwin, that dude was that dude was like he's it tough. Up, Ace Baldwin's tough. He's yeah, tough. I agree. He was a tough dude, but no, we just, you know, play clean, clean like turnovers cut cut them down man and we're gonna win that we're gonna win this game against indiana we should win against minnesota too um i'm biased as hell but i think we should still win these games regardless i agree well. my two goals are pretty simple my first one it just ties into what i was saying about stephen crowell it's quick decisions quick decisions you know quicker ball movement that's really really a big thing for me with the badgers and their their slower paced offense which is built on just passing the ball around mm-hmm. just make those passes quicker Make the defense work, you know, find, find a mismatch where eventually, you know, you catch somebody recovering slowly and you can get a dribble drive and a kick out or a layup or a dump off to a big man for a dunk. Quicker decisions. My second one is for Nolan winter. Buddy, when you're open, shoot. It's got good shoot form. When you're open, you are, you are a shooter. You trust your shot. He had a couple shots that kind of went like halfway down and popped out when you're open. Let it fly. Yep. So my second goal is a quicker trigger for Nolan Winter. If if you're open, let it fly. Those are my two goals. Jake, <clears throat> what are your two goals for the next two games? My two goals are everyone be aggressive on both ends. That's my first one. Okay. Uh Chucky Hepburn obviously takes a lot of pride in offense or defense, but he needs to take more pride in his offensive game. Uh last two games combined, four points, six rebounds, eight assists. That that could be a game for him, to be completely honest with you, with as good as I think Chucky is. Um, he needs to just be more aggressive. Uh, also, you look at a guy like Stephen Crowell against Northwestern. He has six points. He comes back against Penn State, 17 points. Obviously, he was making a point to be a little bit more aggressive in the Penn State game. So everybody just needs to be aggressive on both ends. Stay attached. Stay stay. Passing the ball, I think if the ball moves quicker to your point, I think that would make everybody stay more active on offense. Yep. My second one is really, 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 really simple. Start a new streak. We had a six-game winning streak going. It was nice. It was fun. It was great. You're going to take some losses every once in a while. Let's start a new one. Friday night sounds like a really good time, 7.30 on FS1. Uh, like Mike said, hopefully the the <clears throat> students are back. Excuse me. And the great red allowed in the Cole Center, and we could beat up on the Indiana Hoosiers before we beat up on our little brother Minnesota. So make it a good week. Let's start a new streak. I like it. All righty, Mike. We will have you back next week to talk about those two games, those two Big Ten games. And yep. you know, I'm confident the Badgers will still be at the top of the Big Ten when we're talking next Wednesday. So, Mike, okay. have a good week. Sounds good, fellas. 3027 Packers. Go pack go. 3027. Like wow. 3027. Okay. I like well, it. Yeah. I'm with it. All right, Mike. Have a good one. Later. My so heart prediction is bigger than that, but 
we're not doing that today. <laughs> I, I, my, yeah, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm not. I know, I know, I know. I don't want to spoil too much before Friday. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so we're moving into the Bucks. Bucks also played three games in the last week. So Jake, hit me with your power pair and your underrated performer. We didn't do these last week because we staged an intervention, but this week we're back to our regularly scheduled programming of recaps. Now that the, the Bucks are back to their regularly scheduled programming of winning games. Yeah, it was fun to watch the Milwaukee Bucks actually play basketball this week. That was a good time for me. Um, but going to the power pair, my first one, almost as always, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep. Um, 28-point average, 10.3 rebound average, 7 assists average. So playmaker Giannis was on full display this week. He was 32 of 51 from the field. That's 63%. He had four steals, one block, and he ended the week as a plus 26. Nice. He was plus 38 in that Celtics game. That's going to be <laughs> so fun to watch. That game was fun about. It was fun to watch. Yep. My next one is quickly, I'll be in and out, got to log into a class in a few, doing virtual classes because of snow down here. Well, mm. we'll still be here. Yep. Uh, maybe log out when we're talking about your team. That would be good for you. I'm not going to have nice things to say. So one player that's really becoming one of my favorites and – I've always really liked people like players that do a little bit of everything. You know, I, when we were growing up, I liked a guy named Sean Marion. He didn't mm. have the prettiest jump shot of all time, but you know what? The guy played defense. He passed the ball when he had to, he, you know, he, he defended all five positions. He would play anywhere. He would score in the paint. He would run in transition. He did all the little things. Let me give you like a poor man's version of him is Shane Battier. Love Shane Battier. Obviously, you know that as well. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite players of all time, LeBron James. I feel like he does a little bit of everything. Now, whatever your opinion of LeBron is, that is fine. That is fine. I am clearly talking about him as a basketball player. The yep. guy scores, he passes, he plays defense, he does everything. He's a right, five-tie Tie it all together. Put a bow on it. Andre Jackson Jr. Yeah. Starting to really love this kid's energy. He does all the little things. Things that you don't need, you you can't just teach that stuff. That that is basketball IQ. That is basketball feel. Um, he just does it. Uh, he he had ten points this week. He had two games where he scored zero. He impacts the game of scoring zero points. Yep, that's why I love him. Um, he had fourteen total rebounds. He had seven assists. He shot five of ten from the field. Uh, he did have six offensive rebounds in that game against the Warriors. That was massive. Uh, he had one block and he finished the week plus twenty one. So very good on him. Shout out John Horst by the way, for real, dude. To, to grab Andre Jackson Jr., a guy who has, you know, as far as college goes, has championship pedigree at UConn. Yep, 100%. And he was one of the captains on that team, so that just speaks even more to the to that. Yep. Um, my underrated performer is a guy that everybody just kind of forgets that's on the team until he's wide open in the corner seven times. <laughs> uh, Malik Beasley. He scored 50 points. That's a 16.6 average. He averaged four rebounds, three assists. He shot 55% from the field, and he shot 50% from the three-point line. What else is new? That's basically his average. He added three steals, so a steal per game, and he finished the week as a plus 33, man. Yeah, Malik Beasley, his three-point shooting negates anything negative you want to say about him. 100%. He's that good of a shooter. He is that good of a shooter. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> My power pair, I have Damian Lillard, 25.7 points a game. 6.3 assists, 4.7 rebounds. 
He was 44.4% from the field, 38.5% from the three-point line, and 100% from the free-throw line. We're going to talk a lot more about Damian Lillard. Next, I got Bobby Portis, Mr. Double-Double, 20-10 and 10 on the week. 60%, 75% on threes, 75% at the free-throw line. Bobby. <clears throat> and then my underrated performer, I went with Brooke Lopez. He had a very efficient week. Brooke Lopez averaged 14.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2.3 blocks per game. He shot 56.3% from the field and 40% from the three-point line. So, let's dig in. Uh, the gloves are off for this. So, Jake, what's it out to you from the Bucks and the Celtics? I'm going to say this right now. The Celtics do not take us seriously. They do not take us seriously. For them to use the excuse of playing the second half of a back-to-back, get their ass handed to them, and then sit their starters at halftime is bullshit. That is straight bullshit. Yeah. They do not take us seriously. Until the Bucks whoop their ass and then whoop their ass and then whoop their ass, that is when they will take us seriously. They think that, oh, this is just a game in January. Let me tell you something. There are certain games during the season that you have to care more about. The Bucks and Celtics, it's been talked about for the last couple seasons, right? We are the class of the East. Yep. This is what matters. These games matter a little bit more than a game against the fucking Orlando Magic. I'm sorry. It is what it is. The Orlando Magic, that's all cute and stuff. That's great. We're not going to hear a lot about them in May and June, okay? It just is what it is. But we're going to hear a whole lot about the Bucks and the Celtics. So that right there, honestly, that, that pisses me off. That pissed me off that they didn't take us seriously. I was so happy to watch Bobby be Bobby and Giannis be Giannis. And they combined for an amazing run that you're going to go over. I don't want to. I don't want to take that away from the breakdown. I like talking about that naturally. But for the Celtics to show as little heart as they did, to not even try to fight back, it pissed me off. There is something to be said about having the heart of a champion, man. And for Drew Holiday to be over there and getting getting toxified by that team, there's a reason they haven't got over the hump. There is no way in hell. That team with all that talent, just Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum alone should be good enough to get you a finals, at least one. I don't give a well, shit. I mean, they went they to one. They no, they should, they should have won one. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Those guys are too damn good. They're two-way players. They should have got one by this point. They played together for a long time now. They're starting to get paid now. Like They're both paid. They're they're getting they're in they've been in the league long enough to win, so they're both all NBA. Yeah, that right there, man. That's disrespectful, man. And I can't wait to get into this breakdown. But I'll tell you right now, if we go into their house and we play them next time, and we bitch slap them like we did, where they had to turn us off the TV. The funniest part of this whole thing is we are beating them so bad. They took us off TNT. And they tried to put a more competitive game on there. And that game was a 20-point difference. But it was way closer than the game that was on TNT right there. 
<laughs> that is hilarious to me. Boston, your city acts tough, and you want to talk about fake tough. The Celtics are fake tough. All right, so I can I can completely disregard the back-to-back argument with one statistic. What's that? Celtics are 5-2 and two on the second half of back-to-backs coming into this game. Hmm. And then the other the other part of it, Chris Apps Porzingis didn't play the first half of the back to back. The game definitely got taken off, James. So Yeah. It, it definitely got um, taken off TNT, bro. <clears throat> they put the Mavericks game on. Um the Bucks allowed only 13 second chance points, only nine points off turnovers. The Bucks only missed three free throws. The fundamental failures for this game was 25. Oh my god. Yeah, that's very low. Now, Chris Middleton, he had some quiet scoring, but he did lead the team with seven assists and played good defense. And credit to Andre Jackson Jr. I have a handful of plays to add with this game that we're going to talk about. Similar type game, zero points, four rebounds, four assists, and good defense from Andre Jackson Jr. So I'm going to bring some plays up here in a second. Um. Damian Lillard, Bobby Portis, Malik Beasley all started two for two from the three-point line, so that helps you build a lead. And then two other things. This was a slump buster game for Bobby Portis. He had been kind of struggling his last four or five games, prompting a lot of trade talks. And then one thing that I noticed, and you really kind of have to pay attention less when the game is going on, but more so between the whistles, is Damian Lillard and Giannis talking a lot. Yeah. A lot of like, you know, like. Yep. A lot of strategy. I've been pointing stuff out. That is still like, we're still like halfway through the season and these guys are still going to be figuring stuff out with each other. But the more they play, the more in sync they get. We talk about Chris Middleton and Giannis basically sharing a brain all the time. Yeah. Imagine Dame, Chris, and Giannis all sharing a brain. If they could get Brooke Lopez on the same page defensively, it's over. Sheesh. That's when you get into big four territory. Yeah, it's over then. Okay. So I have a handful of plays that I want to bring up here. First one is we talked about this a couple weeks ago. When when Chris Middleton looks like he's playing offense and the defense isn't even there, that's just how you know he's comfortable. Like that move might as well have been made. He went to the rim. Okay, and and, I, and that's totally great. This move, it might have well have been an assistant coach with a with a foam roller trying to block his shot. And look at that play by Brooke Lopez right there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Keeps the seal. Chris Middleton with the left. So that's good work from Chris. Like I said, when it when it looks like he's playing defense against nobody, or he's playing offense against nobody, that's it. Yeah. Now, let's talk. I'm going to put the other offensive one. This is later in the game, but Brooke Lopez made a couple uh, pretty nice passes. I brought up that he averaged four assists for the week. That's a nice pass to catch out with one hand and just whip it out there. Then he threw a behind the back, you know, behind the head pass. Became a hockey assist if they tracked those. But Brooke Lopez made two pretty saucy passes in this game. I like it. Okay. Let's talk defense because I'm tired of hearing this. People complaining about it. And now that it's happening – that people aren't going to give credit for it. Oh, sounds like another team. So this is great defense by the Bucks. 
Bobby Portis comes with a perfectly timed double team. And look, everybody rotates and closes out, and the three is badly missed. This is this is perfect. This is all you got to do. It's rotations, closeouts, and one double team, and they get a stop out of it. Perfectly timed double team, good closeouts, good rotation, and you get a stop. It's like perfect. It. That's all you got to do. Now, next thing I want to bring up here is just a whole bunch of Andre Jackson Jr. So this is a great sequence by Andre Jackson Jr. <laughs> I got to go back to the beginning of this part so you, to make sure you see it. Giannis is trying to take advantage of Derek White having a, a mismatch in the post. Mm-hmm. He unfortunately airballs the, the jump shot. But Andre Jackson Jr. catches it yeah. on the fly and whips it out to Brooke Lopez for a three. And this is the next defensive possession. So really, like at the very beginning of this, Jason Tatum's trying to get to the ball to try to do like a dribble handoff. And Andre Jackson Jr. puts his nose in the middle and basically runs into Jason Tatum so he can't go get the handoff. Yeah, crazy. Which completely denies Jason Tatum to get to the ball. Yeah. There's no way Jason Tatum was going to get that ball. Then he recovers well and stays attached. Then he closes out on the shooter. And another good closeout. And shout out to Damian Lillard for his rotation on this play also to rotate down onto Derek White. Yep. Trusting trusting that the Rook's going to be able to get there. And that's Peyton Pritchard, who's basically the Celtics version of TJ McConnell, who's a little bit of a Bucks killer sometimes. God, I hate that guy. <clears throat> so good rotation by Damian Lillard and then a good closeout by Andre Jackson Jr. to finish the possession. Yeah. Airball. But, you know, Bucks can't play any good defense. Yeah. Well, it was only because the Celtics were on a second half of a back <clears throat> Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. that why the Bucks had several plays where they just ate shots for breakfast? So this is more Andre Jackson Jr. He misses a three. Watch how much space is in between him and the ball. When he oh. goes for this, it's unfortunate that Pat got called for a foul, but look how much space is in there. Look how much ground he covers to get to this point. Oh my God. And then this is Brooke Lopez making a block. And I've said this you have to be willing to get dunked on to make plays like this. And then this is Thanasis. I'm, I'm tired of hearing the Ooh, anybody could beat Thanasis in one on one. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. This is happening. That dude's head is six inches away from the rim, and Thanasis is up higher blocking this shot. <laughs> you're not you're not ever gonna score on Thanasis. He's gonna beat you 21 to 0, and you will not get one clean shot off. Probably a hundred times in a row, too. Dude, there's there's nobody at your local gym that could beat Thanasis one on one. Nobody. I agree. Not happening. All right, <clears throat> let's move on to the Warriors game. Jake, what's it out to you from Bucks and Warriors? Well, just a disclaimer: no Steph Curry. That sucked. I was really yeah. excited. Yeah, um, I understand why they sat him now. Now, understandably, we played them on the second half of a back-to-back as well. But Steph Curry has been kind of running to the ground to start the season. He started out super great, and then his legs started to get pretty tired because Clay Thompson hasn't been the same and stuff. So and he's kind of carrying all the offense. Draymond too. 
yeah. And then obviously, you know, in uh, prayers to him, we're with everybody else. They just had an assistant coach that died. Uh, that's an extremely sad situation. So, yep. um, but we're focusing on this game, this game. Uh, Giannis, Dame, Chris, they were all cooking. For Chris Middleton to have 24 and 10 and be the third star is ridiculous. You, you want all the stats? I have all the big three stats. You can get to them in one second. Brooke Lopez and Beasley round out the starting five. They each had 11. Bobby Portis added 10 and 8 from the bench. Um, the bench total was 23 points, 12 rebounds, and two assists. I mean, that's not great, but it's going to get better. I'll tell you that. Reinforcements are on the way. And I'm honestly not super worried about it when you factor that the big three scored 84 points. Oh, right. I mean, they, they can do the bulk of the scoring on any, any given right. night. So it's I'm just saying that overall, this team's strength is going to get stronger. So, mm. um, yeah, really just – I will say – I forgot that kid's name. What's that kid's name? That's from Wisconsin. It's like um, Podzemski or Podlemski yeah. or something like that. He was hooping. He was, make, he was making some shots, man. He was going nuts for a little Dude, bit. That was ridiculous for a little while. He was like the backup, backup point guard is hitting like dribble like, up step backs. Like, they call Steph Curry light-skinned, but he's like the light-skinned version of Steph Curry. I'm just going to say it like that. Yeah, and he's left-handed. You can tell he's been play, playing and practicing with Steph Curry. Yeah. It, and he's left-handed, Curry. which just inherently makes defending him a little bit harder just because it's not Yeah, normal. just because it's a little different in your brain, right? But yep. I just wanted to give a shout-out to him because he played really, really great. But and he's from Wisconsin? Yeah. Other than that, I mean, folks took care of business. So Damian Lillard missed his first two shots and then made five straight. Bucks did have a nine-point lead in the first quarter, and they started six for nine from the three-point line, and Dame had 12 points in the first quarter. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> uh, second quarter is where my thing with – like, Golden State was really efficient in the second quarter. They made 10 of 13 field goals to start the second quarter, and the Bucks had three straight lost ball turnovers yeah. in that same stretch. Mm-hmm. Golden State did cool off after getting up seven points, and the Bucks closed the gap to two points at halftime. Um Golden State was able to hold their lead for a little while with second chance points because Golden State is a good offensive rebounding team. Yeah. That's just part of their DNA. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what I want to bring up here, I got another visual aid for you that the Bucks play good defense. It's hmm. something they are capable of. It's not like they're just never playing good defense. This is after a made basket that the Bucks switch all of their plays. Everybody switches. And it's all well communicated, and it's all well defended. Andrew nice. Wiggins is dribbling around looking for somebody open. Nowhere to go. Yep, that's where. Yeah, that was great defense. <clears throat> that's where having guys like Steph Curry. That's why they're superstars. They can create shots for themselves. Where like, this is why I'm kind of hesitant on trading for Wiggins because he's not that guy, and we'd have to give up a lot to get him. But he would be a really, really – he would be a good guru guy to kind of put the whole puzzle together. So I get it from that aspect. But I don't want to give up Bobby, man. Yeah, and and I understand that take, and I'm not not mad at it. And now here we go into this too is – this is just more Andre Jackson Jr. This is his first career double-double too, um, and this is actually his second straight game. I didn't mention this at all in the Boston game, but – his second straight game of playing a little bit of point guard. But Andre Jackson Jr., there's some 
hustle here, and then there's some basketball IQ stuff here. So this is just a hustle play, and he's able to find Giannis. Dude, that's a dot pass from Bro, not to the well, spot. That was crazy for him to do all that stuff. Oh, this screen, that was so beautiful. Yeah, well, let's – yeah. For him to throw that lob to Giannis. <clears throat> this next play, this is so huge. This is so huge for him to set this screen. And my favorite part about it is for him calling for the ball to go there. Yeah, that was oh, that was impressive. And then he, oh my god, <laughs> meet me at the summit. I mean, just the the basketball IQ of Andre Jackson Jr. So good to make that. And then he also has athleticism like this. Oh, and then it leads to what? What does it lead to? Oh, oh. I don't know. Just take a stab oh. at it. If you had to take a stab, what the scoring was going to be. Oh. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Buckets. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> and then there's one more, and this is just more athleticism from Andre Jackson Jr. Oh. And a little bit of basketball IQ on being able to judge rebounds. Oh, I like this. Ugh. <laughs> he had dunks on his own teammate. Bro, he was feeling himself right there. Look at how he was looking down the court, bro. <laughs> he was feeling like him, bro. Look at him. <laughs> the Nassus loves it. So, Andre Jackson Jr. is great hustle. Now, the big three. <laughs> Giannis, Dame, Chris, points. Giannis, 33. Dame, 27. Chris, 24. 84 points between the three of them. Rebounds. Giannis, 9. Dame, 6. Chris, 3. 18 rebounds between the three of them. Mm -hmm. Assists. Giannis, 5. Dame, 7. Chris, 10. 22 assists between the three of them. Turnovers, Giannis, four, Dame, one, Chris, three. So the big three, 84 points, 18 rebounds, 22 assists, only eight turnovers. That's almost three to one assist to turnovers. Give me that. Bro, they had one less <laughs> assist than the Warriors team. That's wild, actually. <clears throat> Field goals, 32 of 54, 59.3%. Like Giannis that. was 13 to 22. Dame was 9 for 19. Chris was 10 for 13. Yeah, this was a really good Chris Middleton game. Dude, if he shoots like that in a playoff game or in the playoffs, Bucks are winning the title. I don't care what happens on the rest of the court. If if Giannis is doing 33, 9, and 5, and Dame is doing 27, 6, and 7, and Chris Middleton shoots 10 of 13, you're not beating the Bucks. No. You're going to have to score 150 to beat us. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, Three-pointers. Giannis, one for three. Dame, two for five. Chris, three for five. Buck, or the three of them, six for 13, 46.2%. Also really good. <laughs> and then free throws combined, they were 14 for 17, 83.4%. Yeah, that's uh, 50, 40, 90. Or 50, 40, 80. I mean, sorry. That's almost 60, 46, and 83. Wild. That's crazy efficiency from those three. <clears throat> All right. Last game, Sunday's game against the Kings. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, Jake. What stood out to you from the Bucks and the Kings? I apologize. I was coughing before. That was a crazy game, man. Um, 
like Dame said in his post-game interview, I really like that. It kind of shows his perspective on life and his perspective on the basketball court where he talked about going through tough things. That's kind of the games that he has the game winners in, man. So he's just – he really shows a lot of mental toughness right there for me. Uh, he, he shows that he's a dog, which obviously we already know that. <laughs> if you've watched yeah. any Portland games over the last 10 years, you know that Damian Lillard is a dog. Bobby Portis with 22. Beasley with 23. Brooke Lopez added 27. Giannis added 27, 10, and 10. I mean, you can just go down the line. We didn't even have Chris Middleton in this game. We spent 143 points. Now, obviously, you know, we're not going to use the excuse of second half of a back-to-back because that's exactly what this was. And, oh, my God, we won. Because in overtime. we fought in overtime. adversity. In overtime, right. Yeah. Kind of like what the Celtics had to deal with the day before. But, you know. Some people cry about it, and some people get shit done. Just going to leave it like that. Obviously, the game winner was sick, okay? But there was a lot of situations that added up to that. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. like I've said said in the past, free throws win games. If the Kings hit their free throws, that doesn't even happen. They didn't hit their That's free true. throws. True. Brooke Lopez hit a massive three-pointer to allow us to set that situation up. That's funny. That's the but, exact word that I have in my notes. <laughs> um. But Damian Lillard, this is one of the reasons that we brought him over. Was yep. closer, the clutch time, the buzzer beaters. He's not afraid of any moment of any shot at any time in any game. Let me say this, and this isn't a dig at Drew. It's not a dig at Drew. I I love Drew Holiday, and I hold true even with he's not being on the Bucks. That he still has the sweetest step back in the game. Yeah. But there is a difference here between Dame and Drew. Now, if we still had Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton is out of this game, who is taking that shot? Drew Holiday. Are you confident with Drew Holiday shooting between the three-point line and the logo with the game on the line? Not as confident as I am with with Dame, obviously. But I don't feel terrible. But I'll tell you what, with Dame, I you feel, feel like it's like, going in. <laughs> I feel like real good. Yeah. That's that's a difference. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, sacrificing defense, it's kind of worth it. Because like yeah. I said last week, you know, having things that you need to get better on in, in the season while still being a really good team, it's, it's scary for other teams. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so that said, um, the Kings are a very well-coached team. I yes. want to start with this, talking about Mike Brown, because he gets tossed on a play that was good defense. I don't even know what his deal was, why that was the play he was getting tossed for, because it was good defense and a good steal. Now, why I want to bring this up is that I don't want to try to let the Kings get by on an excuse, not that they would, or people you know, and Bucks fans being like, well, the Kings coach got tossed, so they didn't have their coach for the rest of the game. Right. Their, their lead assistant is Jordy Fernandez. Jordy Fernandez was my number one candidate for the Bucks job. Yeah, he was. I thought about that immediately when I was watching the game. Jordy Fernandez is going to be a head coach in the NBA someday, and the Kings recognize that by moving him to the first chair. Under coach of the year, Mike Brown. Yeah. So the Kings are well coached. Their coach getting tossed is not at all something that explains the loss away for the Kings because Jordy Fernandez is a fantastic basketball coach. Yeah. You could tell he knows his shit. Yep. So I'm not allowing that as an excuse. Now, <clears throat> I brought up the Bucks had 25 fundamental failure points 
in the game <clears throat> against the Celtics. They had 28 in the game against the Warriors. What do you think it was for this game? Keep in mind it's overtime. I'll say 34. Okay. The Bucks missed five free throws. They gave up 13 second chance points. Or sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. 13 points off turnovers. Yep. Four second chance points. Fundamental failures for this game was 22 in overtime. Damn. The Bucks took care of business for this. Yeah, they did. And let me say this. <clears throat> the Kings were 3-0 in overtime coming into this game. And we, you and I have talked about this, especially more so a couple of years ago when the Lakers signed him. Yeah. We like Malik Monk. Yeah. He is, what I would say, one of the most underrated players in the NBA. 100%. Between him and De'Aaron Fox, I think the Kings have the fastest backcourt in the NBA. No, no contest. No contest. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is probably one of, one of if not the fastest guy He's in the, the NBA. He's the fastest, and Malik Monk is no slouch. Yeah. So that that's just a, that's a good combo for them. I'm not going to lie to you. And like I said, we, we, we hold respect for Malik Monk. Um, I do say, I got to say, I like – him and Brooke Lopez going back and forth a little bit. And it's one of those things that reminds you, like, at the end of the day, it is just a game. Yeah. So seeing them have an exchange and, and go back and forth and, and be laughing and stuff, I like it. I like it once in a while. You know, obviously you're playing a competitive thing, but like I said, right. it's just a game. It's just a game at the end of the day. I saw that in an NFL game. Oh, I think it was in the Packers game when um, we were on defense and Darnell Savage was talking to uh, – uh, CD Lamb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You remember that? CD Lamb yep. must have said something because all of a sudden Darnell was just shaking his head and he was just yep. smiling, man. CD like, was laughing. Yep. That was yeah, earlier that, in the game, I think. That's the kind of like human nature stuff that I like to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it's sportsmanship. Like, I'm a sucker for sportsmanship. Yeah. Same. Like, seeing guys help up opponents and stuff like that, I'm a sucker for it. Bobby does it all the time. He does. Yeah. I'm a sucker for sportsmanship. Now, that said, and this overtime, this overtime period is really what I want to kind of like boil down to is Bucks started cold in overtime. The Kings had a six-point lead in overtime. You know, we saw and the, the example of when I come into overtime and what I think about leads, I always come back to the Bucks game seven against the Nets. When the Bucks went up four, it felt like the game was over. And Marcus Johnson and Lisa Byington even talked about it a little bit during the game that scoring twice consecutively is usually like a nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. The Kings had three possessions. Well, I mean, yeah. it's two threes, but they had three twos that they scored. And then Dame activated. And it wasn't even just him scoring, but Pat Connaughton hit his third three of the game. The Bucks were down four points with 18.4. Malik Monk missed two free throws. Brooke Lopez hit a massive three-pointer. And then Fox went one for two to allow the Bucks to be down by two points with 5.2 seconds left. And they were able to, uh, you know, get a little bit of magic. And then this happened. Oh, so good. That's a bucket. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love this angle. I love watching the ball from this angle. Buckets. Unreal. Unreal. 
Yeah, he's good. Bro, just immediately, like he's factory set to just go like this after he makes a game winner, bro. I love that he just like no facial reaction. Dude. That, well, that, I'm saying, bro, so, he knows he's a dog. That's exactly what it is. It's the belief. That to me tells me that he believed that this shot was going in before he took it. <laughs> to not react and to just be like, yep, I'm just here to do business. I was just, man, we are all waiting for this. Every Bucks fan since this was announced was waiting for this moment right here. A Damian Lillard game winner. Oh, man. The Dame winner. This, this mama's the Mia. This is good stuff. Oh, man. I think I, I, I really like the photo at the end where they're all going like this, pointing at the wrist. Oh, so good. <laughs> Chris Middleton with the actual watch on makes the picture. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he wasn't playing, so. Yeah, but, but still, it's a nice watch. Oh, well, I would think so. He's paid a little bit of money. <laughs> a little bit. <clears throat> all right, so the Bucks now they have three games between now and next Wednesday. They play tonight at Cleveland, and then they play two games Saturday and Monday at Detroit. I'm I'm thinking three and zero for the Bucks. I'm thinking three and zero as well. Uh, also, over the next two episodes, we're going to be talking about the Cavaliers and Pistons a lot. So, buckle Almost up for that. Exclusively. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, this the game tonight is on ESPN at six thirty, so should be a good one. Back to back against the Pistons. By the way. <laughs> Random because I'm thinking about the Pistons now. Did you see that thing with Kyle Kuzma? No. So to backtrack, try not to pay Pistons attention to Kyle Kuzma. When the, when the Pistons were still in their their losing streak, Kyle Kuzma had a quote and said, "You, it's getting to the point where you don't want to be that team." And then I believe oh, it, yeah. was, it was yesterday or whatever when they they lost or two days ago when they lost to the Pistons. And some guy said, bro, you just became that team. <laughs> you are that team. <laughs> so good. Uh, that's funny stuff. So the exciting thing about tonight's game against the Cavaliers is Jay Crowder is back. Oh, so happy that Jay Crowder is back. Now, disclaimer, I do not expect Jay Crowder to be playing 28 to 30 minutes, shooting 50% on threes, and playing a high level of defense for all 30 of those minutes. I agreed. I got to give – he's been – he had a surgery a month and a half ago. Actually, that was over two months ago. He had a, a surgery two months ago. We're going to give him probably at least two, maybe three weeks before we expect Jay Crowder back in midseason form. Yeah, dude, he needs to get some conditioning. Yep. Needs to get some shots up. Needs to get comfortable with the guys again. Some, I mean, some game reps. This is all stuff that needs to happen. So if he has a game where he goes one for six and he gives up some layups, just shut up. Not yeah, not gonna be hearing any Jay slander for the next We're two weeks. For people saying, "Oh, he's back," and now he's terrible. Like not dealing with any of that. Yeah, We're he's played what eight, eight, nine games with Dame. Yeah. And for, for most of those games, he was the sixth man, the first man off the bench for most of them. He was. So, bottom line, give Jay some time. We are going to do so. All right. Other than that, I will see you Friday night. Friday night, we're going to be talking about the Packers' win over the Cowboys and their matchup with the 49ers. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure. And it's going to be informative. And we're going to break down the Cowboys game in full. There's going to be more play breakdowns coming out tomorrow and Friday. 
uh, yep. leading up to that. And then we're going to break the whole game down and preview their matchup with the 49ers. So, Jake, I will see you Friday night. Yes, sir. Take care. Go Bucks. Here we go. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.